Good evening, everyone. Today's class is titled, What is Love? And I know it sounds like a fancy question, but you'll see tonight we're going to look at the Torah perspective and what it truly means. Today, tonight, we're celebrating Purim. Everyone familiar tonight is Purim? Tonight is the 14th day of Adar Aleph. Purim Katan. Yeah, we were supposed to have a celebration. And yes, it's supposed to, it should have been <laughs> a double celebration. A celebration we finished chapter 3 last week and also a celebration in honor of Purim. So happy Purim everyone and use the energy that's coming to lead you to the next Purim where, where we'll uh, truly celebrate together. Purim Gadol. Purim Gadol. <laughs> Wasn't that a typo? Well, <laughs> yeah, there you go. You listen to the video. Yeah. It's all from Costco. <laughs> I just said have a brand. It's the one with the hat shirt. I think it's called Skinny Pop. Oh, those yummy. Skinny oh, that's pop. very good. Yeah. Today we're going to start off talking about clothing. And you know, this, this past Friday, please, this past Friday, I was by the Rose Schnitzer Manor. I go every Friday with my students. Baruch came with us one week. And I invite all of you to come with us. And we discussed clothing. We discussed what's modest clothing, what's appropriate clothing. And there's, a, young, there's a, a, a woman there and she asked the following question, an amazing question. She asked, clothing was something that did not exist at the, at the creation of the world. When Adam and Eve were created, there was no clothing. After they sinned, the Torah says, ah, they recognize that they don't have any clothing on. They recognize that they're, that they're naked. That means until then they didn't have clothing. So this lady asks a brilliant question. She says, clothing is seemingly a negative thing. We look at clothing, we say it makes us beautiful. <laughs> if you think about it, the fact that you're wearing clothing itself is a negative thing. So why is it that we look at clothing in such high esteem? esteem? Can I disagree with you here? Absolutely. <laughs> you say to a woman, oh, that's a beautiful dress, and invariably she says, oh, this schmata? <laughs> <laughs> we'll get back to this question momentarily, but we're going to start off learning what is our, the clothing of our soul. You know, in chapter 1 we discussed the, the animalistic soul, chapter 2 we discussed the godly soul, in chapter 3 we discussed the makeup of the soul, which is the tense of wrote. But now we're going to say that just like our body has clothing, so too the soul has clothing. What is the clothing of the soul, Yeshua? The body. That is in, a, in, a, in one sense. But what is the spiritual clothing of the soul? Let me clarify, just like our clothing expresses ourselves, when I look at someone, I can tell a little bit about you. By looking at your clothing, so how does the soul express itself? It has three garments, thought, speech, and action. Thought, speech, and action. Machshava, Dibur, and Maise. Machshava, Dibur, and Maise. Teacher's pet. We're going to soon learn that when we think, speak, and act, that is, these are garments of the soul. Let's see this inside, and we're going to see that we have the ability to make our entire body, every single aspect of our body, a garment to God. And I want to add, add one last thing before we look inside. We have a doctor here, so he may challenge me on this one. But the Torah says, the Torah says, 
that a man has 613 parts to his body. A woman, if I'm, if I'm correct, I think, it's the, I think it's 620. I, I may be one or two off. Hmm. Ha- Does that explain why women are superior to men? Fair enough. Is that bones or...? Uh, it's, so we say it's bones, limbs, and sinews, including all three. That is one of the reasons, by the way, Shema, the three paragraphs of the Shema, yeah. have 610 words in it. Hmm. It's missing three to be 613. And that is why the Chazin adds three words. In some community, the Chazin will add the three words, Kel Melech Neman. In Chabad, we repeat the last three words, Hashem Aleichem Emes, at the end of Shema, one more time. So in total, we'll have 613 words. Why do we want 613 words? To correspond to the 613 parts to our body. Why does our body have 613 parts? Corresponding to the 613 parts of our soul. But the women have 620. Yes, it's a very good question. And it's a good question, and there is a discussion if women should repeat it, and the answer is they still should repeat those three words. It's a, it's a good question. It's discussed by the commentators, yes. And our, our soul has 613 parts, and corresponding to that is a 613 mitzvot. Meaning that every single part of our body has one mitzvah. 613 parts to our body. So every single mitzvah is corresponding to one part of our body. And the Arizal writes that if someone didn't do a mitzvah in his life, that means he didn't refine a part of his body, his body will have to come back to this world after he passes away in a Gilgal, in another life, to do that mitzvah. He hasn't refined that part of his body. So all mitzvot have a specific part to our body, and we need to do all of them. Let's now look inside of the Tanya, and we're going to, get, we're going to have now clarity how we have the ability to make our whole body, every single finger, every single hair, every single part of our body, a godly dwelling. Let's see this inside. Perik Dali, chapter 4, if you're in your Tanya, we're on page 15, otherwise we're on page number 1 in the handout, in addition, in addition to the makeup of the soul, which has 10 parts, the Spheros, every divine soul, Nefesh Elokit, possesses three garments, thought, speech, and action. Machshava, Dibor, and Maiseh expressing themselves in the 613 commandments of the Torah. That means our godly soul expresses itself when it thinks, when it speaks, and when it acts in one of the 613 ways of the Torah. Now remember, that's very easy. If we talk nicely to someone, if we comfort someone, if we're we're teaching someone, if we're talking to God, if if we're discussing business, if we're going ahead and respecting our parents, all of this is included in the Torah, and all of this is using the godly soul. For when a person actively fulfills all the precepts which require physical action, and with his past... And with his power of speech, he occupies himself in expounding all the 613 commandments and their practical application. Are you with me? Mm -hmm. And with his power of thought, he comprehends all that is comprehensible to him in the partis of the Torah. We'll talk about partis in one second. So if we do, we mention speech. The first one, when he actively fulfills, we, we start off with action. 
when he said, which require physical action. We went to speech with his power of speech, and we concluded with, with his power of thought, he comprehends all that is comprehensible to him. Well then, the totality of all the 613 organs of his soul are closed in the 613 commandments of the Torah. When we go ahead and we use our whole body, using all 613 mitzvot, we're affecting all 613 parts of our body. Did I mispronounce it? No, but this is saying just the organs. Right, but 613 organs is a reference to the whole body. The makeup, it's called 248... Um, 365 sinews and 248 limbs. So this would be... Comp- you mean bones? Limbs would com- include bones. Yeah. 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 Rabbi, what... Please. Um, occasionally I like to look at the Hebrew. Please. What, what letters comprise 613? Taryag. Tuf, Resh, Yud, Gimel. In your Tanya, it's in the fourth line, last word. What's the gematria? 613. Oh, okay. So we have the ability to make our whole body a dwelling place for God. Now, what is the difference between the tense if he wrote that we discussed in chapter 3 and garments of the soul? How many people here think slavery is a good idea? Raise of hands? No? no okay. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> Let's imagine we all thought that slavery is a wonderful idea. So then, what is harder? To let go of your slave? Or to convince your slave that slavery is a bad idea. In other words, what is harder, for us to do something or for us to change our feelings? You know, I want to share with you a story. There was once a man who was dealing with, unfortunately, a Jew that had decided he wanted to convert to a different religion. And he started talking to the man, and he showed him, he showed him logically, with every proof, how it just doesn't make sense what he's doing. And at the end of the day, the man said, you know what? This is just the way, this is just what I feel. It's a feeling. You can't argue with it. It's a feeling. I'm so feelings are very deep. We can't just change them around. You can't, one, they love this person, hate this person. Hey, if it's a fake hate, it's a fake. But it's very easy for us to go ahead and do something. I could force you to go ahead and eat pizza even if you don't want to. <clears throat> so... Thought, speech, and action, they're called garments because could, you could think about one thing and you could change your thoughts. You could speak about one thing and stop speaking about it a second later and you could go ahead and do something and stop a second later. But you can't love someone and a second later really stop loving them. You can't, you can't uh, understand something fully and a second later forget everything if, you know, in, a, in a normal society. So, thought, speech, and action are interchangeable. They're garments, like I could take off my, co- so my coat, my suit jacket, I could put on another one. They're called garments because they, they could be exchanged. But the tense he wrote are one with you. Razel, clear? She's the smartest one here. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. David. An important point here. 
the sefirot are the essence of the soul. The three aspects of the soul are the garments which are exterior and clothe the internal essence. Yes, yes, the sefirot are the essence of the soul. Thank you. So now, what we're going to do is, we're going to, in the Tanya, we're going to continue and actually explain which sefirot are expressed with our thought, which sefirot are expressed with our speech, and which sefirot are expressed with our action. I'm not going to allow David to answer, because he already read ahead, most probably. We'll ask, someone else has to answer this one. Which sefirot are connected with thought specifically? That means... Of the tense, if he wrote, which express themselves through thought? During prayers? So the tense, if he wrote, are Chabad, wisdom, oh, intellect, okay. understanding, love, fear. Which of these ten express themselves through thought? Garrison? Um, the, the, the first three. The first three. Chachma, Bina, and Das. Wisdom, understanding, and knowledge, they're all wisdom, understanding, and knowledge, they're all connected to thought. Which are connected to speech, and which are connected to action. The last seven, our feelings, are all connected to speech and action. Why? Well, if we love Hashem, and that's why, they, that's why I said we're going to talk about love tonight, if you love Hashem, you're going to speak about Hashem and do what He wants. If you fear Hashem, then you're going to go ahead and speak about what He wants you to speak about and do what He wants you to do. So, Chachma, Bina, and Das are not... Are, Wisdom, understanding, and knowledge expressed of the godly soul express themselves through thinking, machshava, thought. Speech and action are the are the garments of the next seven sefirot: love, fear, beauty, victory, etc. Let's see that inside, and we're going to now start by focusing on the first three and then we're going to get and we're going to focus and we're going to spend the rest of the night on talking about what is love and why we won't do anything without it back in the Tanya specifically if I raise a hand is everyone with me? Um, Aviva would you like a copy of the Tanya? Or, or? I don't know no, I, I like to fantastic on the Bima yes there's a lot of copies okay. sure sure Rabbi, yes. when you you change your voice. Yes. It hurts my ears. So tell me what you mean by I change my voice. When you it, do the chant that is done for Talmud or this or whatever. You'd prefer no chant. No, it's fine. Just a little lower. Fantastic. I'm sorry. No. Specifically, the faculties of Chabad. Chabad is a reference to? Rahmadin and I forgot. The first three, wisdom. Understanding and knowledge. Oh yeah, Specifically, the faculties of Chabad and his soul are closed in the comprehension of the Torah. That means that we, through com comprehending Torah, we're using the first three parts of our godly soul. Where we have knowledge about God, we have understanding about God, and we have 
um, we have wisdom, understanding, and knowledge of God, which he comprehends in pardis. Now, I mentioned earlier, I'll tell you what pardis is. Does anyone know what pardis is? A little bit. I think there's a study, there's like a booklet, there's two booklets about it, it's like studying different things and talking about them in groups. What does the word pardis mean? An orchard. Pardis means an, an orchard. An orchard. But pardis is called an orchard. An orchard is if you, have an, if you just have apples in your field, if you don't have an orchard, you have apple trees. An orchard is made up of different types of items. And pardis is made up of four things. The word pardis in Hebrew, you could see it if you look inside of your Tanya. It's in the sixth line of the Tanya, the third word. It says, Beis, Pei, Reish, Dalid, Saf. Bipardis. Pardis is made up of the letters Pei, Reish, Dalid, Sin. Um, Samach, I apologize. Samach, thank you. And they stand for four words. Pei stands for Pshat. Pshat means simple meaning. The Reish stands for Remez. Remez is a hint. Dalit stands for Drush. Thank you. Drush means an exposition. Already I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to expound upon something. And Sama stands for Sod, a secret. You see what's going on here? I, see what's, I, the, the reason I'm sitting next to him. I mean, what a mind. Huh? So, Pardis is the orchard of the Torah. The orchard of the Torah is made up of four layers. Pshat is simple meaning. Remez, the hints of the, of the words of the Torah. Derush, expounding the words of the Torah. And finally, the sow the secrets of the Torah. So every layer of Torah has these four aspects to it. Now let me not forget to remind everyone that actually every part of Torah can be understood in 70 ways. Shivim Panim Torah. That is why sometimes you'll look in the Torah and, and you'll learn a story of, of King Shlomo HaMelech and you'll see that there's two conflicting opinions and it's impossible for the, both of them to be right. And yet we go ahead and we say they're still both right. I don't know, I can't explain it to you. Shlomo HaMelech, he should, he will, he'll explain it to you. But what I do know is that there's 70 ways of explaining the Torah. And within those 70 ways, there are four layers of the Torah. Again, there is Pshat, the simple meaning, Rem is the hint, Sod, the expounding, and Pshat Rem is Derush, expounding, and Sod, the secrets. Any questions? So that's a concept that applies to, always to the four layers of the Torah. What, anything not, you ever learn. not a particular author that came up with that or anything like that. Pardis, the orchard of the Torah. This is across the board. Anything you ever learn has four layers to it. Well, was not the Arizal the one who elaborated and set all of that down and as further interpreted by Rabbi Schneerzolman? I mean, because I, that mm -hmm. is not generally covered in other areas of, of Hasidim. Well, that, the Zohar already, which was written by, by Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, yes, he but, already started the deeper secrets. But it was our Arizal, was it not, who interpreted as far as we're concerned by elaborating on this? Yes, the Arizal was the one who came out and publicly stated that everyone should learn the secrets of the Torah. Until that time it was hidden, and he said the secret secrets should now be public. May I make a comment here? Yes. 
having been raised in a Jewish tradition in which everything traditional, a tradition where everything traditional was regarded with skepticism <laughs> and looked for reasons to discount the observance of that detail for whatever reason, I found myself with a tendency where I didn't understand something to doubt it. And when I made up my mind that if I didn't understand it, it was because I needed to dig. And not to say that it should be discounted, but that I needed to find out why mm -hmm. and how, and that my lack of understanding was my fault and not that the material should be discounted. That's when I began to truly learn. And so, uh, in regard to the four levels, and there's one other one, but the rabbi doesn't want to bring it up now, I suspect. Um, <laughs> When you begin to dig in the sand and the rocks and you find more rocks, all of a sudden after you've moved a lot of rocks and analyzed each one of those rocks for whatever you can get out of it, all of a sudden you might find a crystal or a diamond or something truly valuable or some what otherwise would be a precious gem. It doesn't mean that the other rocks aren't worthwhile in studying, but if you dig, the more you go down on the levels, the more you find. That is my uh, growth and experience. How come all of these smart people came up with this stuff? I better find out what they have to say and understand it. And uh, it requires a positive attitude as far as I'm concerned, that's only valid for me, and not to find reasons to discount, but to find reasons to believe. Okay, thank you, David. Please. You, I always thought that each sefirah had its own ten levels. Good, good point. Did I misunderstand? Because you're saying each sefirah has four levels. It's very confusing it because <laughs> <laughs> because there's a lot of different things we're talking about. Okay. Um, to start off, there is we're, we're discussing there's two souls. The godly soul and the animalistic soul. Right. We established that each soul has five parts. It has the nefesh, ruach, neshama, chai, and yechida. And within each one of these five parts, there are ten sefirot. Oh, boy. <laughs> are you with me so far? Yeah. But now, let's put that all aside. These yeah. four levels are in the Torah. Nothing to do with the souls. The four levels of the pardis are four level, levels of understanding the Torah, regardless of our soul. Ah, uh, you lost me. There's when four... You say, when mm -hmm. you're referring to, in the Torah, mm -hmm. are you referring to the actual scroll, scroll, or are reading it, or listening to it? What do you mean? When you learn the Torah, yeah. there's four methods of how you could understand it. I know there's a simple level. Right. Where I'm at. No, no. no. There's a simple level. Then there's the Baal HaTurim. Have you ever heard of the Baal HaTurim? He's very into gematria. gematria. He always goes ahead and says, Oh, this word has a numerical value of 613, so it must mean this. That's already not a simple level. That would be like a secret. Okay. Then you have people that expound the Torah. They say, one second, over here, there's a letter Vav. And in, in another parsha, ten parsha years later, there's another Vav. Right. So, they, it's, so it's similar, and they expound it. And then finally you have a secret. Secret would be where you go ahead and you break apart the word and you 
It's a whole new dimension. But these are all four levels of understanding the Torah, regardless of our soul. Thank you. That is an excellent explanation. Thank, Thank you. you. And what's particularly exciting to me is that a lot of this stuff is available in English, that you can really get into it. The Balhatorim is translated in an art scroll. Uh, the Midrash is available, which will deal with the third and fourth levels. Now, obviously, you know, you might as well jump into a bottomless canyon, but at the same time, uh, the, the stuff is there. And, you know, everybody would be a hakam except the garbage needs to be taken out. But you can, um, uh, English language reader now can get into a lot of this. Thank you, David. Thank you, Aviva. Let's continue. We'll go back to specifically. Specifically, the faculties of Chabad and his soul of his wisdom, understanding and knowledge are closed in the comprehension of the Torah which he comprehends in Pardus. In other words, which he comprehends in all four layers of understanding the Torah. To the extent of his mental capacity. Okay. That means there's four layers. <laughs> And you understand it as much as you can. And that's fine. That's all God wants from you. To the extent of your mental capacity. And there's one more thing. And the supernal root of your soul. That means that there's two parts to, how, to your ability to understand. One is godly, where your soul, the level your soul comes from. And there's another one that no matter where your level, where your soul comes from, what is your capability to understand? These two things are going to be triggers, they're going to affect how much you can understand of the Torah. But no matter how much you can understand, this is a very important point. We're not going to point fingers and say, oh, you understand more, you understand less. No. As long as you're understanding what you could understand, then you have fully enclosed your mind in the Torah. You're one with the Torah. That's regarding under the first three levels. But now in the Midot, namely fear and love, together with their offshoots, because as we discussed last week, there's only two ways of dealing with someone. You could deal with someone in a, fashion, in a manner that's going to bring them closer to you, or you could deal with them in a manner that's going to push them away from you. And every method of dealing with someone is going to fall into one of these two. Either you're going to become close or far. So love and fear, love becoming close, fear, separation, really are the father and mother of all the others Sefirot. So as long as I can clarify what's going on by love and fear, the other five will flow, flow within it. So the Midut, namely fear and love, together with their offshoots, are closed in the fulfillment, that means the action of the commandments and deed and in word. Namely, in the study of the Torah, which is the equivalent of all the commandments. Listen to this. Study of Torah is equivalent to all commandments. What does that mean? Melissa? You don't have to do anything else. Just study Torah. Just study Torah. But ethics of the Father says, Amasahu Aikar. The main thing is the action. Mm -hmm. So what does that mean? Contradicts what I just said. Well, the study of Torah... <laughs> Doesn't that imply action also? That no. It says the, the study of Torah is the equivalent of all the commandments. And we'll discuss this at the end of the chapter. A fascinating insight. It will, it will really be exciting to see that. But the learning Torah has the equivalent of all commandments. And so when we go ahead and we 
speak about the Torah, so then we've, we're enclosing our love, our fear, the different levels of our midot within that action. Not everybody can, com- can comprehend every level at every time. There are limits on the soul's ability to comprehend. And we said before, as long as you comprehend according to your ability, you're good. And here, let's, let's look at the next word. For love is the root of all the 248 positive commandments. Mm-hmm. All originating in it and having no true foundation without it. If you don't love Hashem, you can't fulfill mitzvahs properly. Mm-hmm. There is, to just re- to quote it again, having no true foundation without love. And what does that mean? <clears throat> so let's summarize where we're up to, and then I'd like to look into this idea. We've sum- we're summarizing and we're saying that the first three Sifi wrote enclosed themselves in, th- in thinking about Torah, and we're saying the last seven enclose themselves in love. The last seven Sifi wrote enclose themselves in the thought, in the speech and action of Torah. Why? Why do I need love in order to go ahead and keep kosher? Why do I need to love Hashem? There's an example, there's an example that I learned. Yeah, what's the example, what's the connection to the fact that I'm not going to lend another Jew money with interest to the fact that I love God? I love Dr. Yosef, so I'll give him my... Why do I need to love God in order to go ahead and lend Gershon money to lend any without interest? What's, what's the connection? Yes, Lottie, what's the connection? Um. <laughs> you prepare this, right? I um, called you. No. <laughs> is it a um, does it, does it say in the Torah that we're not supposed to uh, collect interest? Yeah. One of the yeah. yeah. So we're following that commandment. Yeah, but why? Why do I need? Why are we saying there's no true foundation to this mitzvah unless I love God? Why? Because that's our reason for observing the commandment, isn't mm-hmm. it? Well, because you already said the action is just a garment, which means you can do it or not. And okay. It's like the feeling that's the foundation, that that's like who you are. Okay. So if you're working, if, so if you're like, if you're like acting in the way of God, and if you're, if, if you, if like Torah is part of your life, then it's not going to just be an action of not charging someone interest. It's going to be like, I love God, I love the Torah, like, therefore, I'm going to follow it. And it's like more of a being versus a just not something or just something. So are you saying that if you love Hashem, you'll do all the mitzvahs? Otherwise, it's going to be like, when it comes, you'll, you'll work it out. Is, is that what you're saying? Like, you're going to have a fight every single mitzvah? I don't think so. So, so, so please, so no, no. <laughs> so say it one more time. But if We already said that like thought, speech, and action are garments. Okay. Because you can do them or you cannot do them. Yes. So if you're talking about like when love has to be the foundation mm-hmm. because otherwise you could just be doing an action for the sake of it. And this way it's, it's going to be the foundation of properly doing a mitzvah because that means that your whole being is in it and like you feel it and it's, it's that thing that's like deeper than just have, doing an action. Okay, so... If we, Couldn't it, you do that opposite too? Couldn't you just love and not do the action? I mean, that's true. Too. <laughs> yeah. I, I was in a situation, I mean, the way I'm equating this is 
a person who stutters the Torah, but eats trade. Okay? Um, but I remember many years ago, a relative asked me something about a will situation. And I said I would do what the question was only because I loved the person asking, not because I loved the recipient. Yes. And I think that's more what you're trying to get us to want, I think. That, okay, and, and, and what I want to do now, and I appreciate that, what I want to do now is I want to spend time talking about what it means to love someone else. And then see if we could apply that back to Hashem and see if that makes sense. I was going to say also, I mean, Please. maybe I'll cover it. I don't know, but I'm thinking like, are we supposed to, oh, earlier I know when we were looking to you said like we're, there are different parts of us where like we're elements of, of God and then like I've learned that we're, we're trying to, be, to um, emulate Hashem mm-hmm. because we're created in His image. Mm-hmm. So if Hashem is saying, you know, don't give interest to a Jew and we want to be close to Hashem and mm-hmm. we want to love Hashem and if we love Hashem and if we're studying commandments and doing as this person mentioned about um, um, putting our thoughts and actions um, and making a, um, a garment of ourselves to do to do an act of Hashem mm-hmm. then this is something that will perhaps come naturally okay so love of Hashem will make everything come natural to some degree uh, fair enough <coughs> technical question about it. is the uh, not uh, lending money on interest is that a positive commandment um, that you, you should lend money without interest or is it a negative commandment that, that when, oh, you, when you lend, lend money you shouldn't charge interest yeah yeah I mean, it's, a, it's a good question I'm not, I'm not familiar off the top of my head and you're right dependent which one it will be would be dependent if it's coming out of love or fear of God yeah you know, I'd, I'd like to read you the following few could I quickly interject? Yes, yes. Maimonides, there's an excellent English translation of the commandments uh, outlined by Maimonides, and uh, I think we have it in the library, and it'll tell you. Yes. Mm-hmm. I'd like to quote to you an article written by Rabbi Manus Friedman just a few months ago, and I think he really summarizes in an amazing way what the Torah says love is. The media says, in your relationship, you should always experience maximum pleasure. You can always discover more ways of getting pleasure. And if you're not getting the maximum, why? You're barely alive. Everyone else is having so much fun. Oh, you're not? Get out of the marriage. You deserve better. Today we are so convinced... How did you know? (laughs) Today we we are so convinced that this is right that we are not ashamed and almost proud to say I broke up my family and I am not and I am going to have more pleasure and happiness now. The opposite is bittel. By raise of hand, how many people here have heard of the word bittel? Bittel. Bittel is not the same as humility. Oftentimes bittel means to be translated as humility. Bittel is not the same as humility. Bittel is the innocence of a neshama that senses and experiences the significance and importance of others. That means to be battled in Hebrew doesn't mean that you're just humble and you're a nobody. No. It means that you recognize that you need everyone else. It's much more than being humble. It's actually going... Bittel doesn't mean I am not important. Bittel means you are important. 
Some experts in the field of mental health have recently admitted to a serious mistake. They have emphasized the pursuit of pleasure in human relationships as if that were the point and that were the goal, but it was a mistake. Mm -hmm. People are not looking for pleasure. People are looking for closeness. Love is the spice, but being needed is the steak. Ah. Love is the spice, being needed yeah. is the steak. Yeah. So, what, what is love? What's the Torah perspective of love? Why does my husband look confused? <laughs> Actually, I'm not. You, you, I'm just okay. I'd like to, if you have the Tanya or the handout, the first three quotes, quotes, will give us the Torah perspective to love. We'll start off with number one. Um, here, Mendel, I'm going to give this handout, because it's on the bottom here. I'll give it to Michael and David Tashir. Number one, read by David, David Aiken. And his soul cleaved to Dinah, the daughter of Jacob. He loved the girl and spoke to the girl's heart. Okay. The Pasuk says, this is a tragic story, unfortunately. But we see over there the word, Vatidbak Nafsha, it says that Shechem, his soul, cleaved to Dina. And he loved the girl and spoke to the girl's heart. So we see the Torah is saying love means to cleave, to come become one. Okay, let's read the next quotation, Michael, please. Number two. Number two. To love the Lord your God, to listen to his voice, and to cleave to him, for that is your life and the length of your days, to dwell on the land which the Lord swore to your forefathers, to Abraham, Yitzhak, and Yaakov, to give to them. So again, the Torah is saying that we have to cleave to Hashem. <coughs> Loving Hashem means we have to become one with him. And finally... Razel, could you read number three? And now, when I come to your servant, my father, and the boy is not with us, since his soul is attached to his, the boy's soul. Anyone know where this is from? Yosef uh, and Yaakov. The Pasuk says ya that Yaakov can't let go. His children said, my father can't let go of Yosef because v'nafsho kishura v'nafsho. His soul is attached to his, to Yosef's soul. He can't let go of him. So love, according to the Torah, tells us, not according, love means to become one and to care about, to do something for the other person. You know, if we say you love someone, but you're not willing to do something for them, then you love yourself. Like everyone knows that famous story of the, of the fish, right? Where Reb Menachem Mendel, it's, it's a story actually with Reb Menachem Mendel Morgenstein of Kotsk, with Kotsk Rebbe. And he said, you don't love fish. If you loved fish, you wouldn't have killed it and eaten it, right? <laughs> so if we love someone else, then we're going to do for them. If we don't do for them, then we don't love them. Any questions so far? There's one major difference between humans and Hashem in this regard, and that is that there is something called reciprocating love. If you love someone, they recognize that, and they'll love you back. That's something that only exists by humans. Hashem, who is 
not a human. Hashem has no connection to... Not yet, He has a connection. But He is so separated from us. Loving Hashem won't connect us. You know, it's a common phrase. If you go ahead and you say, Are you Jewish? Yes. Would you like to put on tefillin? No, I love Hashem in my heart. <laughs> if you love Hashem, then you'll do what He says. Loving Hashem, loving a human, could create something. But loving Hashem is not going to create a reciprocating love. Hashem says, if you want to connect with me, how do you connect with me? What is the body of God? Hashem's body, remember, our body is 613 parts. And Hashem's body is 613 parts. What are the 613 parts of Hashem's body? The 613 mitzvot. And we're going to see inside of the Tanya in a second that God says that my body are the 613 mitzvot. So if you want to connect with me, if you want to hug me, as we'll soon see the example of hugging, you want to hug Hashem? Hug Him. Every mitzvah you do, you're hugging Hashem. You want to connect with Hashem? We said love means to connect. You want to connect. <laughs> so it's, a, it's very easy. When you go ahead and you learn Torah, you're fit, I don't know, I can't tell you which part of Hashem. That's a... Only Hashem could tell you. But every mitzvah you do, you're actually, you're, you're touching Hashem. You're grabbing a hold of Him. So again, saying I love Hashem is not going to cut it. Saying I love Hashem and therefore I want to do what He wants. I'm connecting with Him. But I've really only said about understanding. So maybe not everyone will understand it the same way. So when the person says, I love God in my heart, so here's another understanding of how he loves God and maybe at this point... He doesn't have that connection to get to God through putting on tefillin or perhaps how you ever you personally see how to do it or others might see how to do it. That's, his connection maybe and understanding might be different. So, Joan, right? Joni. Yeah. Joni, sorry. Joni is asking, she's saying, there's four dimensions of understanding the Torah. And this person understands that his understanding of the Torah is love is enough. Okay. I, I just need to say that the to- anything that's written clearly in the Torah... There's no dimension without that. That means the 613 mitzvahs are crystal clear. And that is the basic level. So for someone to come and say, I don't understand, I, I don't fulfill them, that's not, that's not a dimension. That's going against the Torah. But we live in the diaspora. I don't know where this person lives that we are in the, the Tefillin of the diaspora. We are not able to do all 613. Yeah. Ah, that's a good also, question. Also, we don't have the Bet That's a good question. And, and I, I don't want to lose focus. That's a very good question. Joni's saying we, we can't do a lot of mitzvot. I mean, the simple answer is then we're not, respo- we're not liable. And as long as we do what we can, we're fine. All right. Yeah. But then that brings me back to my, to my original point. His understanding is not making him liable. Li- or lack of understanding is not making him liable, perhaps. If he wasn't educated, then he's not liable. Meaning someone that never learned Torah is not liable. Right. But if they're educated and they say that love is enough, mm-hmm. it's not going to do it. Right. You just, and you just define love, that it's not a feeling in the heart, but it's your uh, willingness to take action for Love begins as a feeling. Right. But it's fake love, you won't do anything you don't about do it. Action, right. right. Mm-hmm. And that is why if you love Hashem, then you'll do the mitzvot. Going back to that initial question, why love is the basis of all 248 mitzvot. What is, why does Hashem want us to do mitzvot? Hashem wants us to do mitzvot to connect with Him. So if you go ahead and you do a mitzvah without loving Hashem, it's exactly like being married to someone, living with them, but not loving them. Mm. That means doing a mitzvah without love 
is you're touching Hashem, but you're, but you're lacking the most important part. Just going through the mode. Right. So we, we need to have both, just like in a marriage. You can't just, loving someone, no, you still want to be married to them, but being married to them, not loving them, won't, you have to have both aspects. The same thing is with Hashem. If you want to go ahead and do mitzvot appropriately, well, doing mitzvot is, connect, is marrying Hashem, is connecting with Him. Then we have to love Him also. We have to, we have to do both parts. Let me, let me not fool anyone. Hashem wants you to do mitzvot, and if you don't love Him, do the mitzvot anyways. <laughs> God forbid, I'm not going ahead and saying, only do mitzvot if you love God. God forbid, on the contrary. Do mitzvot. But what I'm saying is, that to really do mitzvot appropriately, the ultimate way, is only going to be if you love Hashem. Sometimes actions bring love. Yes, both ways, correct. So let's summarize what we've learned today, and with that we'll conclude. We've learned today that we have three garments of the soul. The soul, we said, is comprised of ten sefirot, and, each, and these ten sefirot have three garments, thought, speech, and action. We've learned that the intellect, the first three of the sefirot, are enclosed in the garment of thought. And now we've learned that the next seven sefirot, our feelings, are the foundation of speech and action of mitzvot. Because only, as we said now, only if we really love God will we go ahead and do the, the positive mitzvot. And next week we'll continue to learn that only if we really fear God will we go ahead and not do any of the negative mitzvot. Any questions? So, thank you everyone and happy, happy Purim. Happy Purim. Yeah. Yeah, Purim. 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 Purim.